0: Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode we're diving into an old format that we used to do with Trash Cinema where we picked just two movies, kind of like a quick mini-sode, and I'm welcoming back someone um, God, is like we're just talking like seven, eight years since we've been on the show, but uh, Tony's on the other side. Hi, it's me, it's Tony, woo! God, yeah, because I remember you were filling in for a long time on the cartoon show because my regular co-host always takes off the last three months of the year because of his job. Think that's. Then we did some trashy movies. I remember, like we did Lightning Jack. I think was one of them.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's been a it's been a minute.
0: Yeah and yeah. So the, we, we, it's good to have you back. I don't know why it took me so long. We talked about this numerous times. So it's my fault. I'm I'm i the asshole. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I was just think you know, like
1: we we're getting older and we all have you know our own lives sometimes. So it's hard to link up. And I'm glad to be back. It's
0: awesome. Yeah, so we're going through. Uh, if you listen to the show, there's a lot of movies we missed over the years. So we have a lot of 80s and 90s movies to cover. And uh, you you usually pick like the theme uh, or two movies that are somewhat connected. Uh, and this one we're doing like the American attempt to make Chow Yun Fat an A-lister, and didn't necessarily work in the way that we thought it would work. <laughs> like he did end up being like a well-known name, but not for these two movies.
1: I mean, like, during the mid-90s, child Fat, like, you know, me as an Asian-American, like, I had my you know, eye on the prize for him because I've been watching him in Chinese movies forever, and just seeing him, like, back to back to back in movies like, you know, what we're going to do is the replacement killers, the Corrupter, he was in Hard Boiled, he was, he was in, like, four or five of the same movie as the same character in, like, slightly different aspects.
0: Yeah, and then, like, out of nowhere, we get uh, Anna and the King, and then they reposition him, So here's the funny thing is they call him like the Cary Grant of Hong Kong and I never understood it because we've only ever seen the ones where he's like, you know, the the trained killer. And there's a whole other world of films that he does that just didn't really connect because they weren't like that Quentin Tarantino-approved cool.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I mean, it wasn't until, like, the late to uh, early 2000s where a lot of just American directors and filmmakers were paying attention to, you know, Chinese movies. I mean, look at uh, The Departed by Scorsese. Yeah. That was originally a Chinese film called Infernal Affairs, which, you know, did gangbusters. And so the fact that they brought it over and redid it in American stylings, you know, <laughs> it was kind of like that, you know kind of the culmination of you know Chiang Fai coming in in the early 90s and people going, hey, what's going on over there? There's some really good things.
0: Yeah, and they they do attempt to have some of the same vibe as the John Woo films. It helps that he produced uh, these two movies and helped design the action sequences. So it doesn't stray too far from the formula because I think they were a little unsure if, if he could break through. And yeah. Of the two movies, look, I know Replacement Killers is the sillier one. Like, the Corrupter is the one that's trying to, you know, go for, like, oh, critically acclaimed kind of film. And uh, I got to tell you, I have more fun with Replacement Killers. Um, Yeah, I'm totally with you. Sorry, my dogs are barking at something. It's okay. (laughs) My dog does the same thing.
1: But yeah, I mean, like Replacement Killers felt much more like the the standard Chinese formula, like with uh, the the Corrupter. That felt a lot more like they were trying to get into like that really heavy American, you know, hardboiled drama theme. Where Replacement Killers was just like this nonstop comedy, like, com- not comedy, but nonstop Hong Kong action, which is you know the best way to describe it.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the candy version of the Corrupter because. I think also it's the difference in the directors because you have James Foley doing The Corrupter and he's known as a very serious crime director. Whereas Antoine Fuqua comes from music videos and he has so much style and flair and his action sequences aren't as, I would say, as intense. Like, is that car chase sequence in Corrupter? But they're so much fucking fun. Yeah. like the Corruptor
1: had a larger budget and it was filled in America. Where I feel like uh, Replacement Killers, even though it was trying to feel very American Hong Kong, American Chinatown, it felt like it was actually filled with Hong Kong like the entire time. It's just like, is this Chinatown or is this Hong Kong? I'm pretty sure it's Hong Kong.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering because uh, sometimes the city movies they can replace New York with Toronto. And I feel yeah. like that's what happened with uh, the Corruptors, how they were able to do it on a uh, the same budget. They both cost thirty million dollars. Um, yeah. Here's the funny thing: is of all the John Woo produced movies of this time period, I think the Big Hit is my favorite because it's completely ridiculous and it knows it. Oh, I love
1: the Big Hit. Like that's one of my regular perennials. Like you know, I, I like to I like to watch the Big Hit and Girls Playing Blank Back to Back. Like they was they have the same fun feel for me.
0: Yeah, it does. And they're about assassins as well. And this one, I think the weakest point of this, and, and no uh, no like insult to her as a person, but I just don't buy Mira Servino as tough. Something I think maybe it's because, not her as an actress, but because I had just seen Romeo and Michelle like, right before this, and it <laughs> kind of set a tone in my head.
1: I mean, possibly. I, I think the the biggest thing with you know her replacement killers is it just it felt so out of left field like it didn't make sense with her becoming kind of as hard as she is you know like it didn't feel like there was any groundwork for it and so the fact that like it just kind of escalated out of nowhere just left me feeling like i'm not sure
0: well at the time she was dating tarantino and she said that he convinced her that she could pull it off that was a good move for her to do And I guess I forgot, in the middle of all this, she did Mimic, which she was very good at. And that's a serious role. Yeah, it's just, I think that the one thing that kind of, A, they dumped this in February. And action movies tend not to do well in February. And the fact that Chow Yun-fat was a very niche kind of like, we all know who he is. But do mainstream audiences know who he is? And it was kind of hard to sell him that way.
1: Yeah, very true. I mean, you know, after these few films, he started getting into, like I said, Anna and the King, he was in Catching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was literally, you know, a Chinese import, basically. And then, um, what was that one with him and Sean William Scott? It was like...
0: Oh, yeah, Bulletproof Monk. Bulletproof Monk. Like, that was... Like, that felt
1: like... You know, a good film like you know, Chiang Fat played Chiang Fat, you know, like he played his character, and you can kind of see that, you know, throughout. And that was, you know, them having a little more fun with him because he does a good hardball person, but like he has a little bit of that crazy fun in him that, you know, if you don't have a little bit of fun in the movie, you lose out so much on it.
0: Yeah, I do like the more charming, uh, what's the God of Gamblers? Is that the one where he works at a casino?
1: Oh, I love all of
0: the others, yeah, That's he, one of his more famous films, yeah. Yeah, he has a series of films intermixed with all the John Woo ones that uh, play into the charm that he had, and I wish they had tapped more into it with this one, but they really do, I think, capture some of his charm in The Corrupter. Yes. Um, the bad guys in this one are like your regular killer row of like, oh, that guy. You know, you have Patrick Kilpatrick, <laughs> who people mostly know from uh, Death Warrant. He's uh, the, like the, the Sandman. <laughs> um, uh, we have uh, oh on Danny Trejo we have Till Schweiger Till Schweiger <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. he was a replacement killer so he, he was in the Corrupter
0: wait what say it again
1: uh, Danny Trejo was a replacement killer. He was one of the literal replacement killers.
0: Oh no, I am talking about the replacement killer Sorry, I was trying to. I, I keep going between the two movies. And I apologize, but no. yeah, replacement killers. was like they went out and got like the that. You know, I know that guy, but what's his name? Kind of actor. Um, Absolutely. Like I, I was kind of surprised. Like I forgot just how many like you know
1: like well known generic you know bad guys there were. I forgot that Michael Roker was in there. I'm like, oh, what are you doing here, man? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and there's a stunt that's done in this movie, and I doubt it is Michael Rooker, but if he did it, holy shit. It's during the car chase out of the uh, car wash, and Michael Rooker is running full, like blast or whatever, and then hops over the hood of a car and just continues. There's no pause. It's insane. Oh my
1: goodness, yeah. It was it was so good to see these actors, you know, kind of in, in their relative youth. I mean, it was early 90s, but, uh, you know, just... You see, you know, what they're doing now versus what they were doing then.
0: The only thing, another thing that kind of holds this movie back is the uh, the excessive slow mo. Like, he's trying, uh, 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 Antoine Fuqua is trying to replicate some of the John Wu feel, but I don't yeah. think he knows how to capture the slow mo because he holds on it for too long, and in the way the movement of the camera it, it doesn't work in the same way that Wu would. Yeah, there were just some things that, like, you know, as as cool
1: as they could have been, made no sense, like, you know, the, the, like, multiple pistols and spinning around with the jacket grabbing new pistols. I was like, ah! You know, like, that's, it's cool looking, but it is so so weird, you know, looking down later on in the future going, that was just a really ridiculous movement as a whole.
0: Yeah, John Woo didn't waste any moves. Like, there's a, like, the very beginning of the movie when he plants the bullet and then pulls his guns out or whatever, he does, like, an extra spin for no reason. I was like, well, if he's a professional killer, he's not gonna waste that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's not going to do a twirly-whirly. So, you know, I mean, like, I watched, you know, just for fun, I watched John Wick again recently. And just the small amounts of nuance from that compared to like this, you know, the replacement killers. where was like, I'm just pretty sure he fired 40 bullets out of that 11, you know, magazine, uh, you know, just like pistol. But okay, sure.
0: Yeah, there's a, anyway, Fuqua, he did this in Bait. And both are more about style than substance. And then when he was up for training day, I was like, oh, man, this isn't going to happen. And I'm like, wait a second. We found, like, a whole new way. You know, like, he found a whole new style where he ditched all the music video stuff that he had learned and made a straightforward action film. And it's kind of been that way ever since. He hasn't really gone back to his music video roots. Though I can't believe they pulled another Equalizer. I mean, how old is Denzel now? <laughs>
1: oh my goodness. Yeah, like, you know, I, I know that they're trying to bring in some of those action heroes to come back and do rules again. But I mean, you know, like I'm looking forward to the Monk movie more than I am to the new Equalizer movie.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of confused as to how we haven't developed any new action stars. I mean, the youngest are right now like just over forty, like Hall and... All oh, the Marvel guys. Where are the new ones? I mean, in twenty years are we gonna have any action stars?
1: Yeah, I mean the, the last new one that came out was what Tony Jaw, the Thai guy, and he's only appeared in like a couple of Vin Diesel films. I haven't seen him you know, in
0: diesel um, What is he was just in the new expendables, like Ico Uwas or something like that? He was in the raid? I think so, yeah. I think he's younger than 40, but yeah, it is kind of strange, like, just looking and on, okay, geriatric, 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 oh, you digitally planted your face on a stunt man, that's like, that's how we're doing these movies now.
1: True, but also I think the, the rotation of hyperviolence was, you know, kind of rotating out of the 90s, and we're going more to, like... You know, like, there was like a period of, like, you know, dramas and mystery were huge, and then, like, you know, romantic comedies got big, so I think it's a matter of just the rotating interest again. Like, I think once the world settles down and there's not so much as chaos, people will be more interested in that type of thing.
0: That could be, yeah. And so, um, we mentioned the big hit, and so you have those two guys under the, the John Woo production banner. And they're trying to make him into a new action star as well. And so you bring them together for the Corruptor, which is a much more pensive, darker... None of that flair, none of the the wild colors. Still the same intense action. I think one thing they really did right, like I said, they did... The Chow Yun-Fat was allowed to go bigger. Like, he has more of that, like, Nicolas Cage flair with his performance in this. Yes. And... I don't know, man. And Mark Wahlberg is at that point where he's still like, the old oh, shucks, I'm the young whippersnapper. Like, I got this charm in me. I was like, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> yeah.
1: And i am with you on that one. Like, I liked him much more in The Big Hit than I did in The Corruptor. But, I mean, you know, like, he just, his, his his role was just like, you know, newbie farm boy type of deal. And, I mean, I, I'm glad that it didn't overshadow Cha Fat, even though it feels like he had similar on the screen time.
0: Yeah, I think that was their safety catch... Excuse me. Frog in my throat. Safety casting, because like, well, we got to appeal to American audience and younger guys, whatever, so let's get him, you know? So it seemed like that was uh, why they chose him. But also, like, this didn't do anywhere nearly as well as Replacement Killers, and Replacement Killers wasn't that big of a hit.
1: No, that one's kind of just, like a year before the corruptor and so it felt like it was kind of a filler or like a little baby step for you know like the asian-american populace to kind of be ready for like the dramatic role of child fat in america yeah it felt more of a intro to that than it was for american audience to learn about this asian actor
0: well it is interesting if you look there's a line of demarcation every decade where you change out the old guard um, and it's right around 96 I feel is when everybody said okay we're tired of Stallone you know the big muscle guys you know Van Damme, Seagal, uh, Schwarzenegger and they kind of moved on because we discovered Jackie Chan and there's Jet Li and Chow Yun-Fat so this feels like that next cycle that's ready to roll and, and it would blow up over the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, true. And you know what I did like about Chiang Fat was like he was never in these films like a hyper martial artist. You know, it wasn't like him doing fancy footwork, fancy handwork. It was just him shooting like a detective. Yeah, you know, come around the corner and you know blasting.
0: Well, in the in the acting, the acting was critical to any of his roles.
1: It was just it was nice it was nice seeing him in those roles again because you know he doesn't really do those hard detective roles anymore or he didn't do them for quite a bit of time and so like just being that capy go lucky you know is he a crooked cop? Is he a good cop, bad cop, you don't know, just you know, like it's more polarized these days whenever he pops up in film.
0: Yeah, I love the fact that he is protective of Mark Wahlberg in this. Like he goes, you know, I know who I am and yes I have been corrupted um, and, and I've been dragged down this road but it was of my own volition and when they want him to bre- drag his partner into it as well uh he doesn't want that to happen and spoilers when he does sacrifice himself that is such a noble, uh understandable moment because he feels like he's gone too far f- down the road that he can't be redeemed but the kid can.
1: hmm I mean, I, it just Like I I enjoyed Replacement Killers more because it was fun but like I think for the palette of a good story the Corruption just had a lot more going for it there was a lot more solid development character development it was a beginning, middle, end, and it wasn't just like one single day of rampant violence.
0: Right. And the Brian Cox character being the gambler that he is is that 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 weakness spot. You know, like on the Death Star, that's Mark Wahlberg's, you know, Death Star blow up spot. Is they know they can get to him through his father, and that's such a real human moment because he refuses, as mad as he is with his dad, he refuses to let him just get killed because of his debt. Mm-hmm. Um, the villains in this one, uh, Rick Young, good lord, is he good at, like, this contemptible fucking, argh, like, he has this shit-eating grin that he knows he has you in the, you know, his palm or whatever, and it's so frustrating, but he's, damn it, he's good in that role.
1: Oh, yeah, oh my goodness, like, just seeing him in that role and just, you know, like, hating his guts and knowing that he's acting, you know, it's like, oh my god, I forget sometimes that he's just not this asshole, but,
0: <laughs> What else do I know him from? Because I feel like there's another role like this where I'm just like, okay, yeah, they cast him just right. Is it... What is it? Like, Transporter, maybe? Is he the bad guy, Transporter?
1: Possibly. I, I don't know. Like, mm. it's, it, as an Asian person, I hate saying this, but like, they cast Asian people in similar roles. So, I mean, even the guy who played Benny Wong, I'm like, oh, it's Uncle Benny. He, he's literally Uncle Benny and everything.
0: Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because I saw this, and I was like, wait a minute. This is like eight months earlier, he was the Uncle Benny in Lethal Weapon 4. So, is this a thing that he usually gets cast as? Yes. Yeah. Uh.
1: Is, like, is this like a consistent universe? I was like, no, they're just lazy writers. He's Uncle Benny here. He's Uncle Benny there. Just, you just know, saves a lot of time
0: that's weird that's like the way that um there's somebody else that they would do that there was a french guy who always played like a waiter and he always did this thing with his mouth whatever like this big pop mouth whatever and he was always a waiter and that's the only always the same name that he would do and i was like that's weird is that on purpose and i wonder if that's that way with the guy who plays uncle benny
1: i mean possibly you know just as a kind of inside you know joke in the community for who was casting or just as the actor himself i mean you know maybe like she has like a nameplate,
0: plate and it just saves time for that <laughs> yeah um but yeah you are correct on that though that the typecasting is exhausting yeah I mean, um you
1: said it best you know like you know generic you know villains like you have uh, danny trejo i'm like oh we need a generic mexican villain let's just bring trejo in you know
0: yeah like, work it is i wish they had given them something to do besides be the killer like you know, like some sort of character trade some dialogue they didn't give him anything and i didn't think that was intimidating like oh it's like michael myers we don't know who he really is like no no give them something to work with please yeah. i mean even the line
1: that you know they had spoken to him was like earn your money and i'm like yeah like literally he's not here for anything other than just being like extra guys shooting at
0: air yeah um of of the two movies, yeah, The Corruptor is the better on paper, you know, like the more uh, respectable film. But The Replacement Killers is just like one of those fun Saturday afternoon, you know, popcorn movies.
1: Yeah, you know, and there's always going to be actors that have like that huge variance of like what was good versus what was fun. I mean, Van Dam's a great example. Same thing, Van Dam's is like, okay, well, some of them had good plots, but some of them were just straight Van Dam fun.
0: Oh yeah, we because that's that's the last episode we did together. It was like summer of 2016 where we did Knockoff and Double Team. Yeah. <laughs> and goddamn it, those are not good movies, but fuck, they're fun. They're so much fun.
1: Absolutely. They're just, the the plot was nonsense. The, you know, direction was nonsense, but like just the action, you know, the communication, the dialogue, like they're just made to be fun movies and that's it.
0: Yeah. All right. So our next episode, we're going to be doing what the last boy scout and bulletproof kind of the beginning and end of Damon Wayans for a while as a leading guy, you know, like two action bookends. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tony, for another great episode and thank you for coming back. Thank you. Have a good day. Your check will be in the mail. (laughs) 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 All right. That was cheap. Bye. Bye.